0: Accessing Library Computer Data. Out there, there are no saints. Just people.
1: Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. We are continuing our run-through of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. We're up to the episodes called Past Tense Part 1 and 2. Uh, the first one aired January 2nd, 1995. It's the 11th episode of the third season. And a teleplay goes to Robert Hewitt Wolf. story goes to Ira Stephen Bear Robert Hewitt Wolf, directed by Reza Badi, I think is how you pronounce that name. The second part aired January 9th, 1995, the 12th episode of the third season. teleplay goes to Ira Stephen Bear and Renee Echevarria. Ira Stephen Bear and Robert Hewitt Wolf get the story credit, directed by Jonathan Frakes and his last directing credit for DS9, which actually got him the first contact gig. Um, in this episode, Trapped three hundred years in the in the past, Cisco Bashir and Dax find themselves confronting one of the darkest hours in Earth's history. And Cisco must risk all to see that the Bell Riots reach their inevitable conclusion, even if it means sacrificing his life. We're joined by Clay. Clay, how are you?
2: I'm good. Um, this episode might be the first instance of science fiction very accurately predicting the future because this was way too fucking real. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> you just need a couple years what you know what the most remarkable thing is they predicted the 1999 yankees world champions did they really yeah. I, I must have missed that yeah yep. they when they're talking about baseball in the second episode i think they uh they said that the they were they're comparing whether or not the yankees 99 team was better than like the 2016 la kings or whatever team they made up for but oh right the uh, the yankees actually went on to win that year and i think that's one of the yankees team that's considered like one of the best teams that they ever had but i might be wrong about that um yeah the the other
2: thing was that like if this had been like 2049 or like 2070 or something it might not have been that weird but it was 2024 which is very
1: close (laughs) yes it's very very close This, this
2: and is a uh not entirely impossible projection from where we're headed right now.
1: <laughs> the um, I have a lot to t- say about this one. I'll, I'll before we go to the break, I'll just say that this episode probably features the most uh, shotgun cocking out of any Star Trek uh, yes. Star Trek episode. I think there's a lot of shotguns. We're going is, take, that
2: why, is that why Frakes got the job For First Contact after they saw his great Shotgun work? Because there's a lot of good Shotgun work in, in First Contact
1: <laughs> A lot of people Tossing rifles to each other dramatically yes. Which is an important part of an action movie um, Alright so we're going to take a break We'll play an audio clip and me and Clay will come back And we'll break down past tense Every building we go to is the same story They can't all be full Don't
0: be so sure One of the main complaints against the sanctuary districts Was overcrowding It got to the point where they didn't care how many people were in here. They just wanted to keep them out of sight. And once they were out of sight, what then? I mean, look at this man. There's no need for him to live like that. With the right medication, he could lead a full and normal life. Maybe in our time. Not just in our time. There are any number of effective treatments for schizophrenia, even in this day and age. They could cure that man now, today, if they gave a damn. It's not that they don't give a damn. They've just given up. The social problems they face seem too enormous to deal. with. that only makes things worse. Causing people to suffer because you hate them is terrible. But causing people to suffer because you have forgotten how to care, that's really hard to understand. They'll remember. It'll take some time and it won't be easy. But eventually people in this century will remember how to care.
1: Oddly, Clay, and all the uh, the stuff I was reading about it, I'm, I didn't see this confirmed. I'm fairly sure this is the last DS9 episodes that are called Part 1 and Part 2.
2: Uh,
1: oh, really? Yeah, so um, in the future there will be... In the future, they have single episodes that are double length, but they're not two-parters. They just aired them at the same time. And there's no more part one, part two. I can't... I I looked over the episode list, and I didn't see one. I think that's right. But that's uh, that's a change that's going to go forward as the series gets more serialized and everything. But um, past tense is... I'm very conflicted about past tense. I think that it is... I guess I'll just open it up by saying, like, starting with the third season of DS9, it's been Mm -hmm. an extremely cynical run of episodes. Um, Basically, every episode has been about challenging uh, sort of uh, previous episodes ideas, whether it's in um, the episode that uh, the abandoned and stuff like that, like you can't change people. Uh, There have been things like the search, which has shown that the the Federation is willing to like sort of abandon their beliefs or at least give up too much to be able to uh, keep the peace. And Past Tense is the most Star Trek-y, if you were to describe the cliche of what Star Trek is, Past Tense is probably that episode that comes in. I, I still feel it's DS-90 on some level, which we'll get into, but I'm, it's kind of shocking to me how abruptly it changes from the episodes that we've seen going into this one. And I think I look at this episode and regard it less because of how it flip-flops back to this sort of Utopian hopefulness well well it portrays a very negative situation It's it's odd that they go back to characters sort of monologuing about like this is the values that we have and stuff like that It felt like a dated Star Trek episode on some level
2: Yeah, I excuse me. I can see what you mean. Um, I I didn't really mind it that much though because I I think That they still exist in in that world where that is the ideal you know it's not it's not uh, it's not explicitly the the voice of the writers coming through you know the, the people who come from that future world are going to look back on this world the the our, our current world and look at it in a much more uh, uncivilized way uh, regardless of what's going on at, at their present time in the future um, and also I think it's important that most of that is voiced by Bashir yeah who is you know the Star Trekkiest character on
1: the show and he says that um, he, he has a line in this that he doesn't even want to see he didn't want to study this time in history because it was too depressing for him <laughs> so yeah he's the he's the he's the quintessential Star Trek character who is uh, appalled by what has gone on in the past yeah he's got a
2: good uh a good monologue in the first episode um you know which is is just sort of like you were saying the laying out of the uh, um um, distaste for the end, hope, distaste at and also hopefulness for the future. Um, and, uh, so yeah, it, I guess it didn't really bother me that much, because, especially because the, the more cynical nature of, of this show has only started to really creep in for me. Yep. Um, and again, that's all stuff that's happening, uh, uh, currently in their future. I mean, like, if you were to, it's very easy to take, the situ- uh, the world we're in now, and you know, it, as shitty as some things might be, and you can still look back and go like, "Well, you know, it was a lot shittier back then." Yes. Yeah. So I don't I don't think they're mutually exclusive. Um. So yeah, I, I guess that didn't really bother me. This 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 definitely did feel like the most Star Trekky episode we've seen in a while, if only because it was sort of like an inversion of uh uh City on the Edge of Forever.
1: Yeah, it's. It's an inversion of that episode. I I was reading something that was like, it's, it's, they send the exact same crew people in each episode. It's the doctor, science officer, and the captain who go down, um, which is kind of an odd. uh, R.I.P. Harlan Ellison. Right. That's, that's true. Yeah. Harlan Ellison actually passed away. And I saw the most uh, shade throwing, um, like, eulogies for him online. (laughs) It's like, he could have been a, he was a, he was a real asshole sometimes, but he's also could have been a really great guy at other times. It's like, wow, that's, that's deep. Um, the, the thing about the, the away team mixture seems like a direct homage to City on the Edge. And City on the Edge is a, or this is an inversion of City on the Edge, because this has our characters actively have to involve themselves in history. Right. In a way that right. City on the Edge was all about avoiding uh, doing that. And the sacrifice on Kirk's part was to just not do anything, despite the, the horror that he's seen before. This is a very different take on that which seems to imply the fact that uh, this show doesn't think that history will sort itself out. People have to become, people, like people have to make the change to do it and it's not just going to be a you let fate take hold and whatever maybe will be the best way forward which is kind of a tos perspective on it. True, but they also
2: only get involved well, arguably they only get involved because that one guy gets killed. Yes. Um, so they do fuck things up and then have to fix it Although, again, there's no guarantee that, th- I mean, this is a par- it's a paradox, because there's no way of knowing whether or not the guy who gets killed, who is, uh, what's his name, Bell? Bell. Gabriel Bell. Gabriel Bell. There's no way of knowing whether or not that Gabriel Bell actually did all that stuff, or if it was just Cisco using the name Gabriel Bell because of you know it's it's one of those time loop paradox
1: things. right well yeah in in other words was cisco always gabriel bell exact yes yes yeah um yeah. which i think that the episode i would be more inclined to think that's the case because not just because of the ending but they never show you you never see a picture of bell beforehand you mm-hmm. you never you know that it feels like that would have been something they that they would have Cisco to pulled it up on a data pad or something or would, maybe not them but they would have looked it up in in, in another episode and they're like this is Gabriel Bell this is what he's gonna do um, the well, I mean the I, I would say the
2: evidence to the contrary is that when they do pull, pull up a picture at the end he's like oh shit Starfleet's gonna be pissed about this so it's it's I guess it's a coin flip which way you want to take it
1: that's true yeah I, I, I guess it's um it could go either way I think it's more interesting if Cisco is always Bell at that point yeah, um, yeah. That, 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 and that although kinda...
2: so sorry this is just stupid details they i i mean it, it gets to the heart of my problem with the, these episodes which i really liked generally but uh um i think the ending is just like 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 it's it, it's like you're telling a, a um a story to your kids and then like they have to go to sleep right now so you have to finish the story <laughs> right, right now <laughs> yeah because, like, they, they get past all the, the, the action and all the important stuff. And then, oh, they're just back on the ship. Oh, he just happens to be Belle. but oh, you know, like, it's just, yeah it's over now. Yeah.
1: Yeah, we've um, altered history irrevocably, apparently. But everything turned out. It's the uh, the Simpsons episode where Homer's happy enough with the very end. with Where the yes. their family has, like, lizard tongues or something. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're close enough to not, to not making a mistake there. The past tense, past tense, actually, I find it kind of boring. Um, mm mm-hmm. I think that. Well, before I get into that, I just want to say that for, for whatever reason, the episode strongly reminds me of Terminator Two for some reason. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's all the shotguns. Well, I think it's I think it's the shotguns and the set looks like a budget rate Cyberdyne office. Okay. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yep. So I, I always yep. imagine. Um, one of the guys just holding the dead man trigger bomb, going, like, uh, 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 "Can't hold yep. this, but the uh, it does feel." Um, oh, and you've got the.
2: Uh, uh, I was gonna say ice, <laughs> but you've got the uh, uh, you've got ice showing up at the end to um, to shoot everybody up like in Terminator Two. So that's yep, yep. fairly similar, exactly. But it does this episode does um, suffer from uh, post post RoboCop nineties future disease quite a bit. Um, where it's like, eh, everybody's wearing like jumpsuits and everything's made out of cement and gray and stuff. You know, it's, yeah. it's very much in that nineties cheap budget future thing.
1: Yes. Yeah. It's very, um, you could say it's maybe inspired by, uh, Verhoeven his sort of RoboCop design, but I think it's mostly, mostly a necessity of budget that they can't really oh, do yeah, anything yeah. with it.
2: Well, no, I, I mean, it's just like, I think uh, we talked about it when we talked about both total recall and RoboCop it like they, they influenced the future design of everything because you could do it so cheaply
1: yeah right
2: yeah um and i think that you you see that that look in a lot of 90s sci- low budget sci-fi stuff where it's just like jumpsuits and patches and like gray rooms with like one computer in them.
1: and I, I think all of those things and maybe a big theme of the 90s stuff was that the go- government is going to basically take over your life in a, mm-hmm. like in robocop you know it's like the the company is the government basically and so that they will mm-hmm. be able to take your rights away from you. This one, it's basically the uh, the world has been undone by government bureaucracy, basically, like the the everything that they have to do in these episodes is fill out forms, wait in line, you'll meet with somebody, maybe they'll get mm-hmm. you something, maybe they won't. It's not even really a actively antagonistic Terminator dystopia. It's really just no. a world that is not particularly free and enabling people to do what they want to do it's just you're mired in this muck of not being able to get anywhere and the government doesn't seem to care and my problem with the episode is that i think it's almost how we're saying it's more of a star trek episode i think it's almost it's too sledgehammery like the the worst part of it for me is the dax is there basically because she has to be the she has to find them later on but the storyline they stick her in is is a story that's like now you're going to spend some time with a parody of rich people. Yes. And yeah. <laughs> you know, it's people drinking wine and talking about like classical music and it's, 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 it doesn't feel on a planet
2: that's on a planet that's entirely gambling and horse racing. Right, right. Exactly. And,
1: and I, I just thought it was, it was stuck a little bit there. And I think that it's stuck a little bit in that the show can't be as dark as I think they want it to be. I think this storyline is incredibly dark, but the, The tone of Star Trek undersells it. Mostly, I think that guy's name is BC, the guy who looks like Bono from U2. Um, The ghost. Someone put that on uh, Discord. But The the ghost, to me, should be a terrifying character, I think. And he's not in this. He's kind of a goofball.
2: Well, again, they nailed it pretty hard by putting all the douchebags and fedoras. Yes,
1: yep. Hatted. Um, Cisco likes his hat, though. Or he doesn't like his hat, which makes it fitting, yeah. Uh
2: yeah you know it's it's funny because I think I found it more um one of the reasons that I found it more believable was because their future was basically just it's not it's not uh, robots running the world and it's not you know Logan's run, it's just like paperwork. and if your paperwork doesn't match up, then you're fucked. Yeah, and that seemed fairly plausible to me. um and, you know, while I, I totally agree that, the, uh, that it is fairly sledgehammery, y um, that, that divide rang kind of true to me, uh, um, especially the part where the one guy was talking about how Europe was falling apart. Right, yes, that's, there's, very, that's yeah, there's, very... There's too many things in this episode where I was like, these guys are shockingly close. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I think... Uh, you're right, it is kind of boring... And like, I I was kind of tickled by the fact that this future, this, or past, but our future was just like sitting at the DMV for all day. And then if you don't have your correct paperwork up, you got to go live in uh, the shantytown or something like that. Yep. Um, because it was depressing, but believable and not, um, I didn't think it was that over the top really. Uh. But yeah, I you know I I I enjoyed it while I was watching it. But as I'm thinking back on it, it's like yeah, okay. I mean, yeah, there's, there's not really a really lot going on. Like the anything that's not in the sanctuary city thing is just like a waste of fucking time. Uh, that's- the uh, it's fun watching Kira and O'Brien like zip zap a different time period yeah. but it's like uh the only reason we're cutting back to these guys at all is because we need a way to get out of here at the end and even then they even then they half-ass it by not even showing you how they do it
1: no they, they just they apparently they can delay the transporter and then find them and go back with them that didn't make i you see i i like the o'brien and kira stuff mostly because i find i find the other stuff to be sort of a drag on like yeah i I don't know if this episode would have benefited or been worse if it was just a one parter to maybe just cut down on the O'Brien and Kira rescue stuff and really focus on the, the bell issue. But to me, the, the stuff in the sanctuary city where Cisco becomes bell, I feel like they don't really talk about what's going on in the episode. It's it's a they're very, they moralize it at the start where they explain, mm-hmm. Bashir and Sisko explain everything that's going on and like how far uh, we've come as you know, like humans and like maybe we'll fall back. Not, a little bit of foreshadowing for the future series, like how will the Federation react to this if they realize that they haven't done the right thing? Like are we better people? Which is the DS9 take I think is that the people are the primary drivers of stuff in a way that the other series seem to think that Humanity, TNG particularly seem to think that humanity is pretty much perfect. We just had these problems getting in our way. Mm-hmm. And once we got through them, Utopia was born. Where DS9 takes a little bit of a a little bit of a more mature take, I think, which is that uh, people were the cause of problems and it's a constant struggle to be better than your problems and to be better mm-hmm. people. And I, I think that the episode nails that aspect, but they don't really they don't really talk about it. I feel like Cisco buys into what he has to do very easily. He's like, yeah, I have to assume this guy's mantle. Like, I have to become Gabriel Bell. Um, I, that doesn't feel right to me. I just, I, I don't know if Cisco's motivations and his sort of, like, drive for what he wants to do makes sense out of the fact that he knows this has to happen. There's no discussion of why they're doing this and what's the right thing to do and how they're going to come out of it in the end and be better.
2: Yeah, um... I think I think it's sort of like uh um at least it seems to me anyway like it's a matter of that instance being much like in first contact a very defining moment where on the humanity comes out of it on the other end uh or um on its way back up uh he kind of just has to do it cuz he knows it needs to be done um I don't know how much I don't know. Would it really have benefited if they had like talked about it? I think so because yeah.
1: I, I, I think that what they did was like the, the line you have to draw here is whether or not you talk about this or you have an action episode. And I think that they aired somewhere in the middle where neither one of those aspects is really good. You know, mm-hmm. like, there's not enough action to be excited by it. And there's not enough of the sort of thought about what's going on. And, you know, on the, on the side of if you're not going to discuss it, do, do you think that the i'm I'm sort of left unimpressed by the bell riots a little bit like I, yeah I'm surprised yeah. that that was the turning point that changed everything in a world that seems like it is mired in bureaucracy and that people don't really know what's going on it seemed like a pretty small issue that they had to deal with it's basically a hostage situation that uh yeah, it gets last
2: like a day or something right
1: yeah I no, I think they say it takes place over the course of a week but I only got the impression it was a, it was a day at most.
2: Yeah, it felt like, to me, I mean, obviously it's a budgetary thing, where you have to spend most of your time in that one room. You can't show, like, 10,000 people rioting. Um, but I think they tried to cover themselves a little bit afterwards when they came out and the Those street was littered, with, littered yeah. with dead bodies. Um, and my my impression was that, like, this was a thing that happened that was so bad, where so many people were killed, that they had, you know, basically, there was no choice but to Address it afterwards and, and fix it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I can see what you're saying. Uh, I I think I think overall the, the mechanics of this episode are not very tight.
1: Um, in terms, I thought of, the first episode. In, what's that? What do you mean in terms of that? Just the, the sort of the structure of it, or do you mean the, like the general idea? Just the the general idea. I think I think the the idea itself
2: is fine but as you're saying it's like the the actual uh deconstructing of how things happen and and the logistics of things doesn't really uh doesn't really hold up super well especially like especially going into the end um where they just kind of uh quickly breeze through everything and like the dax thing with her buddy who's just like yeah no i'll help you Sneak in through the sewers to get into this place
1: most boring did, businessman ever. I think would be yeah his like that
2: stuff was just I don't know it was it was not it was not very engaging and it was just I thought
1: he was gonna have a bigger impact The way yeah, the, me too. the amount of time that they spent with him made it seem like he was gonna be some either like Politically involved or he would be the motivating factor that could possibly change things and he he's yeah. really not He just helps Dax.
2: There's there's literally a scene where they cut to Dax and she's just asleep in his office Yeah
1: <laughs> And it's when she gets paged on the communicator, right? She's, just, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> she's just like passed down his office. Yeah, I, I don't, or, or I was expecting more of a, to tie into the Terminator when he like reveals that he's like, oh, you, you probably know who I am. I'm very important. I was expecting some sort of Star Trek future to be tied into that. And I don't, yeah, I don't or, think it
2: is. Or at least some sort of piece of the, the puzzle that, of the bell riots, yeah, you right. know, or, or some, some, something that comes after it or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just think that stuff was, I think they were, they were really interested in the Sanctuary City stuff, to the point where everything else was just sort of like, you know, well, we just have to have these other people here, and they didn't really think through much of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, did you just... Also, uh, to go back to the ending, like, the... (laughs) The actual handoff, like I was, the whole, the whole episode I was trying to think, okay, so obviously Cisco is not going to be Bell. It has to do with this card that they have, right? Who's he going to hand the card off to? I, I thought he was going to give it to, uh, what's his name, the guy with the family who got killed. Oh, Webb, um, Webb or something? Yeah, because they set him up as much more of a revolutionary.
1: Yeah, yeah. So
2: I thought, oh, maybe the switch will be that guy gets killed, and so he goes, oh, his name was Gabriel Bell. But he had a family, so obviously that would be kind of tough. Uh, but they end up just being like, yeah, just give me that card. I'll just put it on one of the dead bodies. Yeah. <laughs> then if they did that, why do they have a picture
1: of Cisco in the future? Right. Yeah. That's, that's the, yeah. Or yeah, you'd be like, I have to go find some hardly burned remains or something. Yeah. Not to mention on.
2: every, everybody who's in this thing has like, is like fingerprinted and database, right? Yeah. So, every, so whoever they put that card on, Is is not going to match up with what their fingerprints in their database or whatever it says. Yes. So it's like, you know, it's 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 a thing like, like I said, at the end, they felt like, ah well, shit, we got to wrap this up somehow. So they just kind of speed through all the specifics of uh, paying off their time travel story. With stuff that on the surface goes, oh, that's clever, but then you think about it and go, wait a minute, that doesn't make any sense.
1: Yeah, maybe it's the maybe the problem I have with it is that it is to me the opposite of City on the Edge, where after City on the Edge ends, I'm like, oh, like that—that's something to think about. I don't really think about anything about this episode after it's concluded itself. It's like, yeah, they all got home, whatever. But Tos said the, you know, it's a great tragic ending for Tos. Even they don't think about anything about it, anything
2: about it when they get back. It's like it's they get back to the the station. And it's just like, whew, that was weird. Yeah, you know, like it, there's no, um, yeah. It, it's it, city on the edge of in, city on the edge of forever. Kind of makes you think about stuff that happened and and the consequences of things and and history and all that kind of stuff. And this one is just sort of like their theme is, ah, we got to be better.
1: Well, Cisco has no sacrifice. Right to fix right. the solution yeah. or to 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 get the outcome he wants, he doesn't have to really give up anything. And I think yeah, that's kind of a problem. There's no
2: real, there's no real pressure on him. Like even
1: like yeah. Now that I'm
2: thinking about it, a lot of the a lot of the stuff is is not really sticking for me. Like the the way that Dax gets back her communicator badge, she just goes to Clint Howard and it's like, could I have that back? Yeah. Like, oh yeah, no problem. And like that's it. They spent. Why even do that if you're just gonna have her get it back that easily that should be kind of a big especially if you're p- pulling this across two parts you'd think that that would be like a bigger thing
1: yeah just for the cameo right just to have clint howard yeah. in there um which is irrelevant but i, I agree it, and i it, it kind of feels to me maybe it's like 1.5 amounts of episode and it, it just feels that yeah. they had to stretch it to get to that two of the full two and i think it kind of doesn't hold up even though i I really like the idea. Like, I, I sound mm. like I'm super negative on it, but I really like the idea of these are the, the bell riots or this thing that happened. We'll get into patient comments about where this actually happens in, like, uh, correlation to World War III, which is not something that I'm not, I'm not particularly up to date on. but Because uh, Khan would have been around this time, too, I think, where he was uh, early 90s, maybe. So it's been a little bit since Khan. And so the world after the Superman has apparently turned into a bureaucracy. And I think that the... I think you're right. Like, the best part of it is how accurately they've kind of picked a future that seems pretty plausible at this point. Um, The, you know, it's kind of, they say sanctuary towns. They're not really related to sanctuary cities as we consider it now in modern age. Like, the problem isn't the same, but it's the same kind of lingo. Um, The fact that the bureaucracy has taken over, people are very afraid. of Big big government's always a a fear of people at some point. Um, Mm -hmm. And then... people
2: coming to people coming to the city looking for jobs and they end up in a detention camp.
1: Yes. Right. And, and I think that up here in new England, we don't deal with it as much as somewhere in like uh, California where these shows are made where there's actually a homeless problem, like actual homeless cities being built up under underpass and stuff. Um, so it's apparently that was a big concern when this episode was written that impacted everything. Um, but we don't really see that people in California can probably comment on that more than I can. Um, the, best, the worst thing that we have is Cambridge, right? <laughs> Basically, like, that's the... Yeah. Uh, Cambridge is kind of... the Cambridge kind of has that problem, although it's um, yeah. a little bit different, I guess. It's not quite the same, like, mass of people. It's just aggressive panhandlers. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and I, I think that the idea is good. I was a little... I don't know, like, it, the, that idea of being sort of a mellow problem, I don't know if it serves the story. Like, it's, it's sad and tragic that people are living in these tent cities, but everyone seems kind of okay there. Like, they, they basically feel like they just got laid off from their job and are looking for a place to have, sit around for a little while. Um, and I, I think that the, the desolation and the desperation of the tent city kind of conflicts with the fact that they're just all waiting in line to get jobs on some level i don't know it's just it doesn't feel emotionally loaded enough for me to really invest myself in it
2: yeah i think what's missing and i think we've run into this problem a couple times when they try to do stuff like this that has some like beef to it uh is there's no bearing on the future really I mean other than the literal bearing on the future there's no like uh, I, I was thinking about how if if they had set this up that Cisco and Bashir and Dax got caught in this transporter thing on the way to dealing with something that this experience could help Cisco uh, look at in a different light you know yeah yeah, um, that would have really beefed things up quite a bit. I think where it whereas as opposed to it's just like yeah We're going back to earth. We're going to meet this guy whoops We screwed up and it's all kind of it's it's a sort of cavalier way of handling a fairly, you know Dour situation yeah Um, That in, in the end really doesn't have any weight to it because they all just kind of brush it off as like another day at the office.
1: Yeah, um, yeah,
2: it would have it would have I think I think it would have been nice if they had bookended it with some sort of, like, uh, experiencing what they did in the past has changed Cisco's mind about how to deal with X in the future. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. And I I feel that that's more appropriate for this series at this level. Like I I feel like a lot of the episodes are ending with that kind of uh, reflection that... The tone, the, as you're saying here, the ending is kind of just played off as a joke. It's like, oh fuck, shit! Like I'm I'm Gabriel Bell now. That'll be oh tough one to explain that one to the bosses. The, and the, they also pair it with the Kira and O'Brien stuff, as you were saying, which is very. It's really just a humor. It's a gag, basically right. to have the, to have them go into different times and sort of interact with the different time uh, places. Mm-hmm. But I liked the Kira and O'Brien stuff just because it was at least a little bit of a break from the the boredom of the bell stuff i thought like yeah. it was it was maybe it was tonally inconsistent and didn't make a lot of sense and you know kira's attitude and o'brien's attitude they're like well we got 10 places but we can only make five jumps so we'll flip a coin and then he just picks the randomly the last one no... yeah
2: that's that was preposterous right there's, there's like, no... why, why even do that why don't you just keep them on the shit on the ship and just have them work through it you know some other way right I mean, I, obviously it's fun to send them down and whatever but
1: the whole i, I mean know. the whole the whole lead up to it is pure techno babble everything o'brien says and this is just made up words basically until he gets yes, to the very yeah. end so why not have him come up with a solution where at the the last moment in time he's able to figure out what time period he actually sent them to and they go down there because it would it would have killed the gag and i think maybe in an, another episode i actually would have liked the gag even more i kind of like it for what it is but they only go to two episodes i think or two uh time places and it's like the hippies and the swing era (laughs) yeah the 20s yeah (laughs) the roaring 20s Um, i mean if he had just stayed on the
2: ship and repolarized the defibrillatrix i think it would have been fine
1: yeah obviously because the chiron particles had uh fallen apart and there's only a limited i think you mean the temporal displacement actuator (laughs) O'Brien oh, should have just done the Dyson uh, dead man switch thing. Can hold this. Um, yeah. so, so, uh, let's see. Did you have like what? Did, what did you? Uh, I, it's funny. I, I almost feel like I've run out of stuff to talk about it. But I don't think a lot happens in this episode. This is the Bell Riots. To me, as a fan of the series, the Bell Riots are always held up as a bigger event than I feel that they actually are. And I don't think there's anything wrong with them the way that they are but i it's not the this is not con taking over the world type of stuff yep. this is not world mm-hmm. war three which we see in first contact we see the outcome of that do you so you're familiar with all you've seen all those you've seen the con episode you've seen this and you've seen first contact is it a problem for you the is the consistency between these visions a problem for you or do you even think about it um i hadn't really thought about it
2: but I think. Looking at the Bell Riots, the tough part for me is, um, you know, I think, I think one of the problems is I'm not totally sure of the scale of this problem, right? because I just assumed it was a national thing, but it sounded like at some points that it was just San Francisco. So yeah. I couldn't quite get a handle on like how big this problem was. Cause in the end it's like, you know, it, let's say this is a national thing, right? Like these sanctuary areas are, are, are all around, all around the uh, the
1: country. I didn't even realize um, that America was existing. I didn't even think about that at that point because they, they mentioned Europe, but I didn't know if this was actually still America or if it was, right. yeah.
2: Uh, but yeah, like if, if these sanctuary things are all around the country, this f- feels like it should have been a bigger like like the one one blip in one spot doesn't seem like it would be enough to take them all down yeah um and at the same time though if it's just san francisco like that was what was kind of weird because they were like oh well i don't know we'll talk to the governor about po- possibly shutting this down um oh sure
1: yeah it's not the president like, involved in yeah, this. yeah it was just
2: the it was just the governor so it was it see i guess it was a small scale
1: thing and uh well, fit to fit the theme, it'll be Schwarzenegger in his sixth term as governor of California, then right? Yeah, there we go. Yeah, that's a fifty two into this Sorry, there we go, go yeah
2: uh, no, it's just i it, the the scope of it was kind of weird, um, and also again, I think it's specific it, it feels like it's not a thoroughly thought through um concept because I think at some point actually someone actually says this, and I'm inclined to agree with them. It's like, well, They're not just going to shut this shit down because of one riot. Right. You know? And I mean, I guess the flip side of that is, well, everybody gets to see the people who are in there, and then they see these people get slaughtered by uh, uh, the the National Guard. Yeah. um, (laughs) uh, Who looked very... I guess in the future, the National Guard is like a, a commando force, which is wouldn't surprise me either
1: yeah um Crosby stills and Nash would have a harder time saying San Francisco instead of Ohio or whatever yeah yeah
2: (laughs) they'll hey they're they all might still be alive (laughs) um but yeah it's I think I think the it it was talked. this whole thing was kind of considered in such a a superficial way that um I think it's difficult to really feel the actual scope of the consequences of what happens here, you know, other than people saying, oh, this was a big deal.
1: You know you know what I think the problem is? I think it comes back to the DAX storyline. The DAX storyline should have shown a, a extent of the problem that showed how detached the wealthy were from caring yeah. about it. And I mm-hmm. didn't really well, get that Well, they were sense. all drinking
2: champagne and laughing. That's right. the <laughs> universal symbol for detached. And <laughs> then
1: they did a hard cut to a person in a tent, and that is you just supposed to realize. like, But the... That came across as just a parody. Like, there was not a, that was not a real, that didn't feel like that was a real enough world for me to understand how these people have just started ignoring, because as Bashir says in this, the problem isn't that people are being cruel to each other, it's that they don't care about it. Like, they Mm -hmm. are, it's their indifference that's really the heart of the the problem here. And the fact that the character Dax meets does care is kind of a problem, and- the 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 fact that they don't really they don't really seem to be concerned about the sanctuary cities when they talk about the sanctuary cities they aren't talking about like oh it's good that this is happening and this is the best way forward It's more of a like a yeah, they just you know it's it's like they're talking about the d m v on some level maybe yeah, that's and a disconnect but i i don't know and there's
2: no there's no discussion at all that like this thing is starting to boil over or or like uh tensions are running really high it's just sort of like. It's just what it, it is, what it is. I think I've that's installed why a new
1: security system because I don't know what's going to happen with these, you know, with the people who just can't get their lives together, that kind of thing. Like, I, there should have been more, there should have been a, more of an aggressive anger towards the Sanctuary Cities from the DAX storyline, I think.
2: Yeah, or if not an aggressive anger, at least more of a concern Concerned. about what's, about them. Because, I mean, that's really what it is, isn't it? Like, if Well, you, concern,
1: if, in, concern in a lack of concern way, a concern about their own uh, problem. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they shouldn't be concerned yeah, exactly. about the people, but concerned about their own welfare. Yeah, these things—it's never—it
2: never comes down to like anger about these things. It's always the people who are on the outside see all the people on the inside getting uppity because they, you know, can't appreciate what they have. Right. And so it, it's never an anger thing. It's—it's it's, for whatever reason. It's like, well, you oppressed people need to, uh, you know, be more thankful for what you do have. It's—it's it's, and there was none of that really, and it was, and there was no sense that. The, the walls of the sanctuary city were kind of like being really pressed, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think that would have been uh, a good way to, to, to uh, to really put a little bit more meat behind the, the bell, right? Cause I mean, if you think about it, there's, if there's, if everything's fine generally, right. I mean, there's a, there's a sense of uh, nobody wants to be there clearly. Um, but if, If everything seems kind of fine when you're there, which it sort of does, like there's, it's a shitty place. Don't get me wrong, but it's like there's no
1: real pressure against the authority. No, well, there's still a sliver of hope. The government still seems to be trying, but they're just terrible at it, right? So it's not like they've just built a cage and thrown them in them. They're 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 trying to get them jobs, and obviously they're not doing a good enough work at that, and they're they're not providing for them. But it's a it is not a it is not an internment camp. It doesn't come right. across that way to me. It just comes across as kind of a an odd holding place to go to. I don't know. Yeah, and it, I
2: think if I think if they had gone full internment camp, it would have felt more cliché. Yeah. I think the fact that it is sort of this weird like nebulous l- limbo feels a little bit more believable and a little bit more accurate. But but at the same time it's like there's the, the the pressure from inside this bubble did not feel like it was at a high point when this riot happens. It right. feels like it was just another day at the DMV, and then one guy in the in the line at the DMV just starts
1: yelling Attica. You know? Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's, they should they should have snuck that in uh, somehow. I think. Yeah i i I think that's that's probably my main issue with it i think that it's just a, it doesn't sell Do people the still get that reference I
2: attica <laughs> i only know that reference secondhand, so i don't know I don't know it's if he actually knows what that means
1: anymore. yeah i haven't i haven't seen i haven't seen it in a long a very very long time i think it's one of those like college films that i've uh yeah that you kind of pass through and it's kind of like on the cabinet of T- dr caligari for me
2: um, and we're not gonna tell you what movie it is if you don't know what we're talking
1: about because you're gonna have to find it yourself and watch it It's called uh, attack of the clones. Uh, you guys can yes. find. <laughs> Um Yeah, that's pretty much I did you have anything else you wanted to talk about I, I feel like I don't have much to say about this one but I um, it's a It's I guess it's I Don't know I, I have a hard time with it. I didn't really enjoy watching it. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Did you, did you have anything you want to say before we go to final thoughts? I feel like I'm at the end of what I have to talk about.
2: Uh, not really. I mean, just kind of calling back to what we were talking about before. Um, I, I really like that Bashir speech where he was talking about uh, what would the Federation do if, if presented with that, this kind of thing. And I think that's why I feel like they needed to have some sort of other, other way to make it relevant to what was going on. Other than just musing about, well, what would we do if the Federation was in the similar thing, you know? Yes. That, I thought that speech was good. And I think that speech gets better if Cisco has something on his mind yeah. uh, that he's dealing with where he is faced with this, this problem, you know? Or not, not literally this problem, but something where the events of this uh, the past here influence his way of thinking about things in the future.
1: Yeah, to me, that line rang funny because it felt to me like after they shot this episode, the writers were like, you know what that line? That's a good line. We should do something with that line. Um, because it, that's kind of the that's kind of the point of the series in the future seasons, really. Um, oh, OK. So I, I, to me, it felt a little bit maybe too obvious. It was if and I don't think that they knew this at the point, so it wasn't that like they were stating their thesis right in this episode, and they're like, we're going to go home, with, it. we're going to go forward with this. I feel they just mm-hmm. kind of retconned themselves into wanting to talk about that. Um, yeah, that's it. Well, we'll take a break, we'll play an audio clip, we'll come back, we'll read some patron thoughts. The patrons, I think, like this one more than me, so maybe we'll have some interesting discussions. Then we'll give our ratings, and we'll call it a day. So what do we do with you? I don't know. You could let us go.
0: All right. Vin! They saved our lives back there. How can we explain what happened to them? Give me your ID cards. Some pocket. We'll switch these for two of the casualties. As far as anybody knows, you both died here. Is that okay with you, Bell? Thanks. My pleasure. Come on, let's get you out of here. Anything else we can do for you? There is one more thing. Name it. Tell people the truth about what happened here.
1: I would have done that anyway. All right, everybody. So if you support the show on the patreon.com slash the Penske you get to leave your thoughts about upcoming episodes. We read them on the podcast and react to them. So we'll do that now. Stephen Cobb, past tense, I think this is the most blatant social commentary Star Trek episode since Let This Be Your Last Battlefield, the half black, half white alien TOS episode. Um, (laughs) That aside, I enjoyed the episode. The first half was a bit slow in starting, but it paid off in the second. I don't think it could have been a one episode because of how much setup was necessary. I thought the interpretation of the BC character was great, though I do not know if it was intentional or coincidental, a kind of so bad it's good thing. The weird, stilted, cheesy, awkward bluster felt like the perfect match for BC. I don't think you commented on BC. I, I didn't like him. What did you think? Uh, BC is the uh, the hat wearing ghost who is kind of the third party of like the taking hostages. Um,
2: oh, yeah. I don't know. I didn't really care for the. I didn't really care about that guy. I he was not believably um, violent. Right. You yeah. know, like they like the. Like you were saying, the ghost should have been a little bit more scary. Um, I, it's
1: the most for for the per capita of shotguns in this. I never felt like anyone was going to actually shoot anybody with their shotgun. Yeah, and
2: I mean the dude's wearing a fedora with the brim folded up like he's from a 1920s serial or something.
1: <laughs> it does and look he, like and he's talking like, "Oh, well, I
2: don't think I'm going to go over here and shoot nobody." You know, he's. Ta- <laughs> <laughs> it's kind
1: of hard to take that seriously. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it's a. Uh... He do, They do look like uh, U2's Joshua Tree, the the album art. Yeah. That, is, that is what they do look like. Um, I really hope, I,
2: I hope there's a deleted scene after he gives his hat to the kid. I really hope there's a deleted scene where the kid walks out and immediately throws that in the trash. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that guy was a pussy. Uh, Christian Pouch says, Past tense, always had a soft spot for these episodes, and I feel like it's more relevant now than it was at the time, and unsettlingly so. It's a bit on the nose, but I don't think it ever crosses the line into being unbearably preachy, as opposed to something like TNG's Force of Nature, which is insufferably self-righteous. I think the episode balances the tone with some of Sisko's dialogue, explaining the reasons for why things got to this point, and how things are going to be turned around for the better because of it. I think if this were TNG, Picard would be visibly disgusted with everyone of the period, and would take every opportunity to preach at them. I'm glad that we have Cisco here instead. Um, I
2: wish we had Picard, just because you know that... You could tell he was all in when he lost a couple buttons on his shirt. Right. Because that's like that's like how you can tell Picard is rebellious <laughs> when you see the chest hair.
1: The Cisco, Cisco's the most um, cynical or pessimistic, I guess, out of all of it. So he, his interactions with um, these kind of storylines are different. And you know, this is kind of a tangent here. Um, maybe I'll do this as my non sequitur now, but. I was thinking, you know how the captains always get compared, and there's always a battle Mm -hmm. for the captains about them? I was Mm. thinking about it. The more interesting comparison are the first officers, because they're Mm. all radically different from each other. So you'd have Spock, Riker, Kira, and Chakotay on the main series. Oh, yeah. That's interesting. And the, the captains are all kind of similar to each other. Like, you, you really have to sort of dig for reasons as to why the captains are different from each other. They are different, but it's not as obvious, uh, I don't think, as the first officers.
2: Yeah, the captains are, you know, I mean, they're all kind of like slightly different versions of the same thing. Where, yes. Yeah. You know, first officers give you a lot of room to maneuver, you know? They're totally um, different
1: characters from
2: each other. Yeah, they I mean... Di- I would throw Michael Burnham into that, too. You know, yeah, that's Burnham, a, yeah, that's a much different character than any of the ones that have come before, more or less.
1: Uh, let's see here. Do, 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 do. Yep, that's it. Thank you, Christian. Uh, Ken Sito says, past tense. Great pair of episodes. The social message might have been a little heavy-handed, but it really feels like it could happen. I've seen this plot in a couple of places. Time-traveling heroes cause the death of an important figure who they then have to replace. I wonder if Trek did it first. Anyone know? The other point is that I'm Tasmanian, and this is probably the only time my home country got name checked in an American drama, even if they did diss our weather at the same time. Well, I will have you know that um, there was an animated Tasmanian devil cartoon where the theme song was down in Tasmania, down in Tasmania. Uh, so that's my exposure to Tasmania. So Star Trek did not do it first. I think it was the I, Tasmanian I- devil. I think that's
2: all of America's only ex- exposure to Tasmania. <laughs> I didn't even I'm know sure people. Lovely, lived lovely, I didn't I'm know sure It's lovely, but I, only, I just assume it's a, a cartoon place
1: <laughs> with an animal that can turn into a tornado and spin around and fly up at you. Uh, yeah. Thank you, Kensito. Very much appreciated. Uh, let's see here. I,
2: you know, non sequitur here. Uh, I've always wondered, Was the Tasmanian devil? Is he like the most inaccurate cartoon animal? Like, most of the cartoon animals are fairly, like, you know, Bugs Bunny likes carrots, and he lives in a rabbit hole and shit like that. Daffy Duck. Looks uh, like a duck. Yeah, Donald Duck doesn't wear pants, like most ducks don't. Yeah. Um... But the Tasmanian devil, I feel like they just had the name and we're like, nobody knows what these things are or what they look like. We just kind of can do whatever we want.
1: Yes. And it's a it's a more intense name than the creature actually looks like. I think they look, kind of, they look like weaselly type things, don't they? I think that's what they look like. Yeah. I don't think they're generally top shaped like yeah. the, uh, the Tasmanian <laughs> devil is.
2: The cartoon is.
1: Um, I'm trying to think now besides something like a like a Pokemon. Um, other cartoon animals that I can think of. Pluto, Goofy, Uh, no, it might be the Tasmanian Devil, at least until I think of something as soon as we're done recording, and I'm like, oh, that one's horribly wrong. Um, I think a close second
2: might be the ecosystem of the ducks in the Disney world, where they're all pilots and rich people. Sure, and like DuckTales, right. Yeah. Oh, oh, there's... Is there any if any class system struggle between Donald Duck? Because Donald Duck seems like a working class guy. He's a sailor. But most of the other ducks in the Disney world
1: seem to be pretty rich. <laughs> like
2: Don- like the, the Huey, Dewey, and Louie wouldn't be getting into that shit if they were poor, you know?
1: Yeah, I was just about to add that Donald Duck is related to Scrooge McDuck, isn't he? He's like his uncle. I believe so, yeah. Yeah, he's his <laughs> what did What did Donald Duck do wrong to, to get that uh, shit under the stick there? He's got all that money. He takes the kids. He was, he, was, he was realistic about his place in life. <laughs> he got sent to a sanctuary city, I think. Um,
2: yeah, but I mean, think about it. All the ducks, the Disney ducks I can think of off the top of my head. Scrooge McDuck, rich guy. Huey, yep. Dewey, and Louie. Uh, grandsons of rich guy. Yeah, grandnephews or something. Yeah, uh, McDuff, another rich guy. <laughs> um, what's his name? The pilot there. Launchpad. Uh, launchpad. He's a pilot. That guy's probably got some change. Uh, Darkwing Duck, superhero. You can't be a superhero if you're poor. There's the guy who Donald becomes... Duck. Donald Duck is the working man's cartoon. <laughs> can't <laughs> even afford to buy himself a pair of damn pants.
1: Nope, doesn't need them. It's and that, he's a sailor. It's it's that joke. It's like why when Donald Duck Donald Duck doesn't wear pants, but when he gets out of the shower, he puts a towel around his waist, which is <laughs> one of those interesting things. Uh, Past tense two from Holly McLaughlin. An America that requires sanctuary cities, I mean districts, after a government institutes policies that make the rich much richer. Fiction or current events, you be the judge. Although, to be fair, in the show, the poor just talk to the rich. History tells us that in real life, the poor just eventually remember that the rich are, in fact, edible. Yeah, the, <laughs> it, yeah it's, it's funny. The tone, it just comes back to what we were talking about. The tone isn't... The tone isn't problematic enough between the two of them, I think, which is for everything else that they got right. They did not predict the amount of anger that we currently have.
2: Um, Yeah. Yeah. There's no, there's no real, like at no point really does anybody in that sanctuary city go like, ah, you fucking rich people. You don't give a shit about us up in your ivory tower and stuff like that. Like, it's all like, uh, even when they started the riot, right? I wasn't entirely sure that's what was happening or why it was happening. Right. Right. Like I wasn't totally sure what the genesis here was, other than you know the the fedora guy wanted an extra sandwich or something. I, I don't know. I was kind of I was kind of lost a little bit at the beginning
1: about why they were doing this. It's a good point that there is no. They seem to be more mad that the government structure isn't working, right? Yeah. Than the fact that other people have more money because they don't really like they don't talk about. I don't think they get into the the economics of why the jobs have all dried up. Um, I don't think they talk about that like the it's funny that you know they the, in real life the reason that this would happen would be technology would improve to the point where people don't have jobs anymore because the technology yep. will do everything And mm-hmm. and it's funny in the Star Trek universe they're pretty much saved by the invention of the replicator right like the replicator right. is the thing that fixes everything here
2: yeah yeah, and I, I I would have liked it if they were like, uh, at some point, they were like, how are we supposed to get jobs when there's a race of genetically created supermen doing
1: all the work? Right. They'll be played yeah. by Brent Spiner.
2: Yeah, there's, there's just a... Uh, uh, th- yeah, there's the... I think going more specific, again, would have been a little bit more cliche, but it might just be too... Blank of a slate. Yeah. to really kind of grasp on like really get effect I think now that I'm looking back on this right like I enjoyed this episode and I thought it was pretty good But I think most of that is due to the fact that I was imprinting current events onto it sure Yeah, uh, you're bringing something thinking, into it. Yeah, yeah So I'm thinking about if I take all that stuff out and I just look at it as it is Yeah, it's a little bit bland and it's kind of like non committal um, I still like the idea of the paperwork future uh kind of reminds me of brazil a little bit yep yep um and it seems incredibly plausible but uh yeah overall it's just sort of like eh, there's not really a lot of firm ground for
1: this story to stand on do do you think the paperwork future is interesting to me i generally as you get older you you know the thing is like if you're young and uh not a liberal you don't have a heart if you're old old and conservative whatever that thing is if you're young and conservative you don't have a heart if you're old and liberal you don't have a brain i think is like the the sort of thing where it's like the paperwork paperwork when i was younger never it never really stuck out to me how much of just how much of paperwork is just like the government getting in your way kind of like i think they do that here accurately but it's like when you buy a house you realize that they control everything about you like i'm, I'm gonna, probably going to come off as some sort of like right-wing radical here where i'm like overthrow the government but it's like <laughs> you the here we of, go the amount of paperwork to do things to your property is insane it's like mm. it's like don't i own this why well, I, I can understand if down in the future i have to sell this but shouldn't i just be able to do whatever i want and then have to be legally obligated to tell people who are buying this is what i did right as opposed to not being allowed to do something because it doesn't meet a code currently. And it doesn't even get around the problem because if I was a, if I was even somewhat inclined as a handyman, I could do it all myself very shittily and no one would ever know and then it would collapse on the person who buys the house after me. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You're not protecting anything. Anyway, that's that's it for current events with West Eastdale. Um Yikes. Matthew, Matthew, Matthew Ross says, Past tense part one to two, the largest amount of babble nonsense I've ever heard. Did you know that the chroniton Heisenberg sassafras with the who's is what's its isolinear chip monster is here? Anyway, a social commentary that seems more poignant in the current political spectrum than the word sanctuary, uh, with the word sanctuary. One odd thing to me is that the conversation of rich folk, you know, you think you'd mention World War III, which allegedly happened in 96, whereas Khan, I guess time travel nonsense fixes all. Interesting storyline, and it kind of does show the futility of trying not to interfere. I blame the guardian of forever. I actually enjoyed the story, although a bit silly in retrospect in why armed guards with only one load of bullets. Not too smart. I don't know what scene he's what scene you're referring to. There's, are they, do they run out of bullets at some point?
2: Uh, I don't remember. I don't
1: remember. The time-traveling bar scenes. A look at the time machine's visual of the store. Obviously, Dax knows how to hack and get men to do her bidding. Luckily, Kieran O'Brien got the block down. Got the block down from the particles. Uh, the block down, yeah. This episode's time travel, however is dealt with later in a humorous side note summed up in a pad. Trying to be serious, but not really.
2: You know, I think they could have fixed some stuff if they had um, <clears throat> Cisco and Bashir get their com badges back. At what point? Those, those, I don't know. I don't know when it will like, uh, but it was just like, I feel like you could have saved yourself a lot of needless, like, dancing around stuff if you had just had them getting their com badges back be, like, an important part of the story. And it's like, right. oh, we can't lock on, blah, 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 you know, something like that.
1: Yeah. Um, I'd
2: agree with that. Instead of, instead of having to, like, sleepwalk your way through a, fin- through a way of getting them back, you know? Like this. Yes. <laughs> where? They, how are they supposed to meet up with Kira to, to get beamed out of there? Is she going to climb back through the sewer and come back and they're going to like hang out on the roof or something? I don't know. That's like the whole what, half of your story or a quarter of your story is about, oh, how are we going to find them and get them back? And then
1: they find them and it's like, well, the rest of it will just figure out itself. That's true. That's true. I mean, if you, you figure if Kira and O'Brien can find them in the time period, they would have been able to. Get them out immediately so I I, I don't know what would really happen. Let's say also San Francisco is a big fucking place. Yeah Yeah, it is. I mean (laughs) even when it's when it's shot on the uh, the New York set of like Seinfeld or something Wherever they shot those scenes or Kira and uh, O'Brien beamed down into but yeah I also
2: have a bit of a technical problem with the idea that their comm badges still work because I, get, I I think about that stuff as, like, well, the combat just need to have some sort of hub to bounce off
1: of, right? An infrastructure in, in the, place. Yeah, yeah.
2: I would assume if you're in the in the past, your Bluetooth is not going to still work if <laughs> 300 years in the future.
1: Yeah, you think they're more advanced than walkie talkies, uh, but apparently right. they're exactly the same technology as a walkie talkie. Yeah, yeah. Well, whatever. It's fine. <laughs> and they, I think this is the first episode I've seen them deactivate them by like double tapping them,
2: right? Yeah. They, they turn I would them do off at some all point. All the fucking time like' it, that's that's the thing too is like it, it, at, at every other point in Star Trek at least since the next generation At any time no matter where you are you don't even have to click the thing and you hear somebody talk at you So the, I just was assumed assumed that like they were just on all the time and that you couldn't actually shut them off
1: there were uh, there was a news story about um, Alexa the echo the Amazon echo thing uh, mm-hmm. like we'll see we'll record people talking and then it randomly sends the recording to a person in your contact list Ugh. and I was like this is crazy like this can't possibly happen Amazon is quoted in the thing is like it's a very tiny chance that this would actually happen it actually <coughs> happened to me I got a no shit my old landlord I got my uh, my echo started glowing a light I'd never seen I was like what the hell does that mean so I google it and it's like you have a, a voicemail I was like I have a voicemail on my Amazon who the hell sent me a thing and I open it or it tells you who it is it's my old landlord I'm like, why is my old landlord contacting me on uh, Amazon? And so I click into it, and it's his young kids. They're like five years old, and they're talking to Alexa, asking it for things. It recorded them talking, and it sent it to me, and I could hear them
2: clear as day. Oh, my
1: God. It was terrifying.
2: That's fucked up. Have you heard the other ones about the the Alexas that just start laughing? (laughs) I've not. Yeah, I, I heard that there are some Alexas that, like, complete silence and then they'll just start going (laughs) i would throw that shit out the window through the window
1: i think um i think for the recording i am inclined to believe that it is alexa mishearing young kids talking most likely yeah. that would be because there's always the funny videos on youtube of kids trying to ask alexa to do something and it misinterprets what they're talking about um but anyway it's it's terrifying that the thing is that the thing does not ask you to confirm that you want to do that before it sends something off. Um, yeah. How, I, you
2: know, not, not to non sequitur again, but it, I, I always find it fascinating to go, you know, going on a bit of a uh, sci-fi futurist thing here. Um, I watched the HBO remake of Fahrenheit 451 the other day, which was not very good, unfortunately. Um, but they do, they do have a line in there, which is something that I had thought about myself. Which is that um, all of these stories talk about how uh, the government and everybody and, and all these overbearing uh, uh, entities force all of this um, uh, 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 surveillance and everything onto the people and and you know Big Brother and all this kind of stuff. There's always like an over an overlord that's controlling all that stuff. But in reality, we just did that shit to ourselves. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, that stuff yeah. is not, was not forced on us. We're putting that stuff in our house exactly like that. We have things that record us all the time. And now I sound like a crazy conspiracy person. Well, cause uh, the,
1: well, in what's the thing about Fahrenheit 451? the Fahrenheit 451, I think people always forget that it was, um, cause that's what you're talking about. The books were not taken from them, right? They, they sort of willingly gave yes. up reading. Like yes. I think in the thing he says that this is kind of a slam against the comic industry, but there were people who were only allowed to read comics for a little bit, and then yeah, they took the comics
2: yeah. away. Um, well, when it was written, that's understandable. But right, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing there is like it's it started with censorship, basically. Is you know people decided up oh, this we can't have this word in this book, so then they took that out, and then they just it kept escalating from there to the point where just books in general are bad. Right, um, and it wasn't. It was not a government thing. It was a. It was a people started thing which is
1: cultural cultural they basically the people decided to sort of make this policy
2: right they actually do one uh, cool thing in the remake where um, they have like classic works of literature but they're all it's like one page of emojis
1: oh interesting oh that's kind of
2: interesting so like it's they're still putting these books and stuff quote-unquote books out there stories out there but it's a version where someone has decided this is all you need, and they break it down to the most inoffensive uh, way possible, which is just telling you the story through emojis. I was like, oh, that's actually, that's actually pretty interesting.
1: The, the Ray Bradbury take there is actually that you bring it up what this episode is missing for me. Yes. Yeah. It is missing how we got to that point and the how of getting there is interesting. Bradbury made it interesting by not making it a government thing. Like just like you have to be concerned about how far you're willing to give up stuff. Right. And right. this episode should have done something similar to that. Like, you should have, you needed more information about why these riots are going to happen. Right. Um, yeah. Barrett says past tense. You think DS nine would be the place to? Te- you wouldn't, you'd think DS nine wouldn't be the place to tell these sorts of stories considering it's far from earth and has its own species and societies to comment on. But somehow returning to Earth for a more obvious social commentary works very well for the show. And this isn't even the best example. Despite the ridiculous names of gimmies, dims, and ghosts, it's an episode that works best <laughs> when it fully embraces its serious tone, and I feel the fun interludes of O'Brien and Kira jumping around in time hurt the episode. And while I'm, uh, and I'm sure it's no coincidence that the cast members of color are sent to the sanctuary camp while Jadzia is whisked away to a fancy party where the most difficult choice is whether or not to treat herself to a cana- canap. I don't know what the word is. I apologize. I'm ignorant. Uh, It's also a fascinating time period for the continuity nerds like me. It's set after the eugenics wars of the nineties and two years before world war three breaks out. Um, So maybe you could argue if that's the official timeline, this event probably led to the events that led to world war three, I guess it's just the sort of society breakdown. Um, What did Kyle said? Something that I wanted to talk about. Oh, does that make, does that make
2: Gabriel bell? Like, Franz Ferdinand, essentially.
1: Yeah, I, 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 that would, if I had to write a story to tie that in, that's what I would do. I would make that this, this Bell Riot, while it was the instigating event or initiating action, caused a lot of problems down the line, too. What did, you, did you notice the um, show didn't bring it up, but the two uh, darker-skinned characters are the ones that are put in the Sanctuary City? Uh, oh, yeah, good point. Episode doesn't mention Jedzia being a white woman is uh, allowed to sort of join the elite of society. Uh, I care-
2: will say, uh, as I was watching this, I was like, "This is really accurate. This feels like it's something that would could be plausible." But realistically, and more cynically, there's probably way too many white people in this sanctuary city. Yeah, yeah. like like that's just how it is, and it's, that's depressing as hell.
1: They didn't they didn't really comment on it, which I thought was. Um, if they did it subtly, they did it very subtly for Star Trek, compared to how sledgehammer the rest of the message is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it was, it's certainly interesting. And I don't know if that's because they wanted to... Bashir kind of has to go because he is, as we were talking about, that character who needs the positive perspective on things. Mm-hmm. And Cisco has to go because he's the lead of the, uh, the whole thing. That's it for the Patreon comments. Thank you guys for supporting the show. Thank you for commenting. Uh, Clay, what are you going to give this one on a scale of 1 to 5? Um... <clears throat>
2: You know, I really liked the first half, um, and I thought, as it tends to do in Star Trek, the second half didn't really pay off. Well, not, I don't know. Pay off isn't the right word. It just sort of was what it was. Um, but I enjoyed it. Again, I think my enjoyment level was heightened because I was projecting stuff onto it. Um, I'm going to say three. Okay. Uh I was originally gonna go four until we really started talking about it, but then I was like, Yeah, I think I'm kind of projecting a little bit. Um yeah, I would say
1: three, three and a half. Uh yeah, three. Cool. Yeah, I think you I think you I think you generally like it more than I did. I, I didn't really like it. I'm gonna give it a two. I think yeah. that I think that what you're saying, the, the most interesting part is the fact that they kind of did a world. Uh, That's near in our near future that is plausible at this point like they they weren't too crazy with that Um, And I like the world that they set up I just don't think that the storyline itself is all that great uh, shakes working around it Yeah, there was a certain point where
2: I was watching it and I was thinking like this is usually the kind of thing that I don't like where it's Star Trek where they've gone back to some future version of the present so it's like all you know, it's, it's the gray future with jumpsuits, and it feels really low budget and stuff. And I think just because it was Star Trek made that not stand out to me as much. Yeah. Um, so I think if this had been literally anything else, I probably would have liked it a lot less.
1: Yeah, right.
2: That's yeah, it. if this hadn't been Star Trek, if this had been some other sci-fi thing, given all of like... What's that? <laughs> Sliders, Sliders, yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, man, Sliders was great. At least that's how I remember it when I was like 12. Yes. Um.
1: It's a great concept.
2: Yeah no yeah excellent. Uh, I always I always thought about Tracy uh, Torme, how...
1: our our old friend Tracy Torme. Oh no kidding! I think he's the creator oh. of that show. Yeah.
2: I I even at the time watching it thinking was thinking like man, there's gonna be a time where they jump to a version of the future where like the only thing that's different is that zippers on pants are upside down <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Men and uh, sorry, not the future, the alternate universe, not the future. <laughs> um. But uh. Um, yeah, if this was literally any other sci-fi thing, the the amount of uh holes just in presenting the concept would have just really turned me off, I think.
1: Yeah, I think it I think so much of it th- maybe this isn't a problem, but so much of it depends on being Star Trek that you yes, know that yeah. this is going to lead to something. If this was like a one-off Twilight Zone, I think you'd be like this is really underwhelming, like they're not talking about anything. Um Right, yeah. And maybe it ties in. We talked with Darren about how the episodes of DS9 at this point really don't stand alone, on even if they're non serialized. Right. They're like they depend right. so much on the lore of Star Trek and the lore of the series. And I think that's what happens Well, I here. mean, at this point, it's a lot you know, of Star from, Trek. Yeah, from D, from Deep
2: Space Nine on, really, you don't, you can't escape that with anything. You know, Yep. like you can't, you, you don't have Enterprise unless you're trading on the the lore of Star Trek you don't have I mean Voyager is kind of its own thing but even there it's like I'm sure a lot of that is weighted by the continuation of the concept god yep. knows discovery is uh so I think that that's just something that comes with the territory with Star Trek now unfortunately or fortunately yeah. depending on how you
1: look at it I think there there is a yeah maybe if I, I would look at it unfortunately there seems to be a Critical mass of stuff in one franchise that I'm willing to put up with, I guess. Yeah. Um and you can hit that depending on what the franchise is, you can get a little bit more, a little bit less with it, but it seems to hit that point. Another
2: reason not to go back to this well. Another reason why I wish they had gone in the future in Discovery. I mean, you know, they they could have established a Star Trek thing and then just made it wholly their own.
1: Yeah. You're you never uh, brought up that point. That's a good point. <laughs> That's a joke, right? <laughs> um yeah, obviously, Discovery should have been in the future, and it's the reason it's not is because, as you said, they need to trade on TOS. They need to pull Star Trek into Discovery to make people care. They think they need to do that. Um, let's see here. I think that's it. We're done. We're done. It's, I'm going to give it a 2. Clay will give it a 3. Uh, it's the last two-parter of Star Trek DS9 that we're going to run into. Well... If you guys like supporting the show, you can do that on all the social media links. Patreon will be there, patreon.com slash the Penske File. Uh we should have the Watchmen up at some point. Uh Real Ripe and Real Rotten will be coming back. As soon as we can find block off a weekend to watch it. Yeah, I mean I'm looking forward to the Sanctuary City just so I have some time to watch Watchmen. <laughs> um,
2: yeah, what if what if what if the riot is because the only movie in Sanctuary City is the ultimate cut of Watchmen? <laughs> <laughs>
1: um Patreon.com slash the Penske File. Real Ripe and Real Rotten will be back, too. It's just the heat of summer. We're a little bit behind. But Star Trek continues unabated, And then um, that's about it. Well, Clay, thanks for coming on. I don't know if you have yeah. anything else you want to say about this episode or anything else going on. Uh, no. Um,
2: hopefully, our Batman podcast should be coming out sooner than later, uh, finally. Um, just kind of retool that stuff. But uh, the Bat-Ass podcast is still live and coming.
1: Yep, I think I I alerted the patrons to that recently. So uh, I got a couple comments. People are anxiously awaiting it. So should be should be eagerly received. I can't wait for it to not live
2: up to whatever hype is 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 uh, built into it.
1: Anyway, guys, thank you very much for listening. Thank you for supporting the show, and we'll be back with another DS9 episode after this. Oh,
2: sorry. One more thing. Go ahead. Uh, So the book that I do Poser is is coming out. um, Is available in previews. So, if you have a comic shop that you go to, tell them that you want, if you want to check out my book, the first two issues are available for pre-order and stuff, so you can uh, tell them that you're looking for a book called Poser from Waxwork Comics, and they should be able to get it for you if that's something you're interested in.
1: Interesting. Alright, so, check out Poser. Uh, is, is the first one available for general buy, or they just do this pre-ordering at this point? Um, you can get the first one through Waxwork directly, yeah, but the, uh, but the
2: pre-order one. is for just the comic. It won't be coming with a record, uh, and that will be stuff that goes directly to comic stores. So if you, you know, if you prefer to go to stores, and it's a, it's a cheaper version too, and you don't care about the record, uh, you can get it. It's the easiest way to get it through the comic store. Gotcha.
1: All right, guys, thank you very much. We will see you next time.